three. Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I am your host, Scott Needham. Today, I heard a story and when I heard that story, I was like, I got to get this guy in the podcast. And so I've got James Stein here from Elevate Brands and uh, his uh, journey in Amazon is what I hope other people also get to experience to some degree. James, welcome. Thanks for having me, Scott. So um, right now, you know, you're with Elevate Brands. That is a very, you know, uh, sophisticated, you know, venture. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds very far from like your beginnings because you started as a retail arbitrager. That's exactly right. Yes. So this is a journey that like I would love to piece out because I know plenty of the audience at some point are going to transition uh, in uh, what they're doing. So um, how, how did it all start? Yeah, so um, I actually, I had just left another company that I'd started out of, you know, I cut my teeth in the food service distribution world. That's where I started, was worked for a company called Restaurant Depot, which is one of the low cost leaders. It's a multi-billion dollar food service distributor. <clears throat> and uh, and then basically uh, built out a, uh, essentially an Instacart type model for Restaurant Depot, if guys know what Instacart is. And left that business. I was looking for my next thing. I found the whole Amazon world. I was drawn towards it because of all the data that was available and, you know, being able to get into an industry that, you know, you can place educated bets before knowing anything about it. So um, I started actually looking at the private label side of things, getting a business going. And then I was introduced through a mutual friend to my business partner and co-founder, Ryan Neeson, who had also started and he had, he, he'd just spent 10 years in with a company called Glencore, um, trading commodities, and he just left them, and he moved to the states uh, to to either start or buy a business. And he'd also started an Amazon business independently of us, so we got connected. And not only did we start the same business, but we were living a block apart from one another in Manhattan. Oh yeah. So we decided to. Yeah, it was a crazy serendipitous story. So and the, uh, in Manhattan, you were doing uh, retail arbitrage. Well, yes, actually, this was before we we met before we even knew about the retail arbitrage model, okay. and then basically. And then basically, but, but I mean, very, very quickly thereafter, we actually got introduced to it by another retail arb guy. He said, look, you know, you guys have a little bit of capital. My business is growing. Well, why don't you come out to a Nike outlet store with me in Newark and and uh, and and see what I'm doing? You know, maybe we can do something together. And we looked at the model and, and I had just, as I was saying, like I'd just come off building out this quite a, not quite, a very complicated um, pick, pack and delivery business outside of Restaurant Depot, which is essentially a retail store, right? Mm -hmm. So when I scanned, when I scanned the first, I remember this vividly, I scanned a product, you know, a Nike shoe using Scoutify and I could see the spread and the demand. And I was like, hold on a second. I can't believe something like this exists, right? That you can actually, you know, pick up a shoe for $30, see that it's selling for $120, see there's plenty of demand for it. And you, I calculated the unit economics relative to being in the food business. And I was like, wow, this is infinitely more profitable yeah. than, uh, than, than, you know, del basically delivering wholesale groceries. This is scalable. So, um so, you know, I had, I had that background and Ryan is a trader, right? So it's, and that, that's essentially what reselling is, right? It's trading. Yeah. So it fit, it kind of just fitted in what we were comfortable with and we knew what we were, we knew what we were doing. And we, we basically just hustled um, the, the two of us for the first month that we were in business, literally driving around to every Marshall's uh, outlet store. It was during Christmas of, uh, or heading into Christmas yep. of 2017. You know, and we did really well in our first month, you know, we were very profitable. I think we did a quarter of a million dollars in our first month in business. And we were, we, 
we pitched uh, we pitched you know a, a high net worth guy to back us, and we we thought that this was scalable. So we we raised we actually raised a couple of million dollars. No way. Um, it, in in debt, by the way. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was in debt. It wasn't in, it was in debt, and we signed personally. So you know, we were we were all in. We were all in on it. But we thought it was a pretty safe bet because you know you're putting money into a hard asset that was generating a return, and we uh, we went and bought three 2008 Toyota Sienna minivans. We ripped out the seats. We hired uh, six employees. We taught them how to interpret the data on Scoutify, and you know, we we were off to the races. We got a little a little warehouse you spot. Were doing we, this within just a few months of starting. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> already, you uh, for a lot of retail arbitragers out there, like you, you, you jumped the gun. Like you, you really. Um, I hope I never sound like I'm talking down to retail arbitrage, but um, there's there's some like challenges with that business. Like I started with retail arbitrage. You know, I, I saw an iPod, I sold an iPod Nano, and it was like awesome. Like here's a hundred dollars, just bam, and. Um, I actually think yeah. that's probably it's the I, very I, definition of instant gratification. Yep. <laughs> and anyone that's selling on Amazon, that's what I say to start out with. If you can do that, oh, yeah. if you can do that. And then like all of a sudden you like, you understand the, the fee structures, you understand, um, you know, the, some of the data that you, you really want to pay attention to. Uh, mm. It is the best starting point. Um, but, um, there's some challenges, like it is, it is harder work, you know, like you had vans that, you know, you were working with employees and, and whatever potential headaches that could be in kind of a distributed environment of like, you know, going out, well, tell it massively, you've got a major risk of theft. You've got massive headaches. It's, it's a hard business for sure. Well, so, but tell us a little bit more about like what it was, like you got this investor and, um, you got those three vans. And then you're going, what, what's the next, uh, what does the next uh, months and years look like with that? Yeah. So it was actually, it was a pretty quick, uh, you know, in hindsight, it felt, it felt a lot longer when we were going through, but like basically for six months, we basically did that. We just basically busted our ass and, and, and we're just really, you know, looking to scale and move volume and figure out how to turn this into a scalable model. And we, and again, we did really well. We were very profitable in our first six months, but then like sort of one introduction led to another and we started getting introduced to a whole bunch of wholesale suppliers right in the and we were reselling footwear and apparel for the most part right and so we met our first wholesale supplier and he actually it was actually interesting he was just looking to only have like a couple of customers basically so he said well why don't you move into my warehouse with me i've got i've got excess space so you can just run your operation and we'll, we'll work hand in hand i don't want to sell on amazon directly myself i'd rather you do the minutia of the retail side and I'll just supply you wholesale. And he had a whole bunch of wholesale accounts with, you know, Adidas and New Balance and, and all these brands and whatever. And, you know, I can place an $100,000 PO in two hours when it would take, you know, six employees and three minivans running around the country trying to scoop up all that inventory. So we basically, after, it was after about six months, we, we'd established a great, one great wholesale relationship and we started winding down the retail arb down. And right there, and then, you just out right there, you just outlined the number one reason like why some people move from retail to wholesale is like, oh, all of a sudden you could do that entire order just like you know, with an Excel document where it says like quantity. Yeah, like it just it adds by the way, I have to tell you, I have to tell you that I actually still believe the retail ARB model is actually 
scalable. Like I actually think it, I actually think it is. Oh. It requires sophisticated tech and systems and logistics or whatever, but it's My just. Brother, if you were to start from nothing, he says what he would do is he would go outside of some city, like say Phoenix um, and yeah. just like get a few people that are like scanning a lot of data points and figuring out what's not in stock and then going to like Costco and just like, you know, getting some of this bulky stuff and, and then figuring out how to get it in Amazon's fulfillment center, like quickly, like make your own, like quickly, yeah, hundred percent. Like we, 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 we kicked around ideas of like, you know, setting up drop locations in like the, in like the parking lots of the outlet malls around the country. Right. And like, and like outsourcing, it's kind of like an Uber model, you know, where, where you, Hey, you want to make a few bucks, go scan a couple of barcodes and you could build an algorithm that would just tell people buy or don't buy. And then they sort of just drop it in like a one way shoot or something. And then people pick it up, and take it. to <laughs> Anyway, it's, it's a complicated, it's a complicated yeah. business. Uh, and yes, yeah, so wholesale made a lot. You thought this through, <laughs> so, you know, um, booksellers actually do that. There's a few of the, the biggest ones. They have these like oh, yeah? book donations boxes uh-huh. and um, they're not actually donating all the proceeds to books. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're taking those yeah. just like, Hey, here's some free books that people are dropping off. And um, and then they run it through their systems that goes through their warehouses and then it ends up on Amazon. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that there's, yeah, there's an amazing world. I've never heard of it being used like that model being used in, in like Marshall's and TJ Maxx. That's, that's super interesting, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so we, we, we basically moved and then we, you know, we met one supplier and then another supplier and then another supplier and we built some great relationships and we still have our reselling business today. Uh, you know, it still does, you know, 10, $15 million a year on Amazon and, uh, and you know, it's kind of rinse and repeat. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. And, um, and, and the key there for your audience, if you, if you want to know is like, you know, we ran our own warehouse for a little bit, um, which we didn't do very well. And then we wanted to just focus on kind of growing the business. So we went to a 3PL and the first 3PL we had was, it was just a disaster, quite frankly. And we now, we, we then subsequently moved and our current 3PL, I don't, you know, I don't even consider them a service provider, I consider them a strategic partner. And they actually have um, plenty of actual uh, operation experience in dealing with Amazon in footwear and apparel. And they've just made, they've essentially helped us put that business on automatic because the re, the, the, the reselling it, excuse me, footwear and apparel, very high return rates and all your profit is essentially caught up in your, in your reverse logistics and your ability to turn that out to inspect the product, categorize it, repackage it and reship it in for the most part. Yeah. And if you get, if you get that piece, right, the, the model works. If you've got a great, warehousing partner or you're a great warehousing operator yourself the model can be actually quite headache free to run yeah but figuring that out took like two years <laughs> reverse logistics is worth its own podcast alone because uh, yeah. uh, my company buy boxer i don't think i've ever really said this too much on the uh in front of people but like we have an employee who i'm like we were getting we have very long tail um, we have 50,000 unique SKUs in Amazon wow. FBA right now. And so we just get random stuff returned all the time. And it became so yeah. much that like, yeah, we can sell some of this in our store, but uh, it was just too much. And so we have an empl- employee who's kind of built a, uh, a spinoff and all they do is reverse logistics for it's us. Reverse logistics, 100%. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's another company called Trade Ports. I'll give a shout out to Aton. Uh, I know I do. Yeah. And, and um 
their model didn't work for us. Like we tried. It's our products are so low in value that yeah, yeah. Um, uh, average selling price is like under $15 that, you know, shipping them a pallet just didn't make sense. And we don't go very deep on our SKUs. We're, we have the type of product that liquidators send back. They're like, we don't yeah. Have this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I hear you. And so it's funny how we've got uh, these kind of parallel pods, although you've been doing it a little bit longer than me, it sounds like. Um, but the wonderful thing is, you know, we'll obviously get to how we got to where we are today, but like, operating and again i think it's product category maybe unique because in footwear and apparel you know every color of every shoe and every size is a different skew so we had to get really good at figuring out how to manage literally you know as you said tens of thousands of unique skews and frankly like managing a private label business relative to that is a walk in the park <laughs> operationally. i know right like it's just a walk in the park operationally so mm-hmm. we uh, uh, you know, I, I hate the word pivot because I don't feel like like we've pivoted. Yes, in terms of our focus, but we're still Amazon operators, right? Diversified, so like, like you know. Yeah, exactly. And so as we started, I'll tell you how we moved into it. But basically, like we we had this awesome operational infrastructure and foundation to be like, oh yeah, we can go and acquire hundred of these businesses or two hundred of these businesses very quickly, and we can manage them. So that that the the retail of and the wholesale and the reselling provided. We, you know, when we're pitching to investors, it's, it's no bullshit. It's true. It's like we we got our Amazon black belt, you know, for, for the first sort of like two years, you know, operating. No, you you yeah. uh, you run across Amazon seller performance, like you know, like the traps. You know um, that like Amazon's not always your friend, <laughs> and uh, no, you also you also learn you also learn not to excuse my language shit yourself when you know a, a listing gets taken down or you or you run it or. or or your product is delayed one month because it's sitting on Amazon's dock. You just like, now it's so funny. Every time, every time something happens in the business, it's like, okay, just work through it. You know, we know what to do. We've got the SOP. It'll, yeah, it'll, it'll um, get fixed. This is related, but like, boy, um, in 2017, when our account got shut down, um, mm-hmm. we were actually only down for 48 hours. Um, it mm-hmm. was like uh, trauma. You know, it was, it was yeah. tough. Yeah. We have been shut down about once a year since. And mm-hmm. I, every single time I stomach it a little bit better. I'm like, I've been through this before. Yeah. yeah. No, it's amazing I, how that happened. Hey? Yeah. And it happened to us as well, by the way, we got, we got shut down at the beginning, close to the beginning. Um, and it was because we were buying from Marshalls and they don't actually have receipts, proper receipts where you can kind of track the product really? through. I don't know if you've seen a Marshalls receipt. It's like, there's like no data on it basically. And so we were, de- we were literally shut down for like six weeks. We actually flew to Amazon to meet thank God we had an account rep there who we could meet with on our hands and knees. And he escalated internally and whatever. And we, we eventually got back. I love that story. I feel your pain, man. I feel your pain. Guess what? In 2017, when we were shut down, I was in Alaska and my flight returning back to home was going through Seattle. And the plan was, is if we were still shut down, I'm staying Um, in Seattle. And like meeting with anyone, you know, um, I will say, I will say that I had, and you tell me your experience. It feels like Amazon has gotten a hell of a lot better um, in terms of policing their marketplace and catching less people in their crossfire. I yeah. don't know if that's been your experience. Um, they take two steps forward and one step back. So yes, correct. they're a lot better, but like, um, 
you know, COVID, uh, what happened this last year did highlight that, you know, like, uh, they still, still made mistakes. Uh, we were shut down for a very stupid pricing violation. Like stupid. I mean, like we sold a cough drop a dollar more than like, uh, we sold the money. Oh, fuck yeah. And you've got 50,000 SKUs. So how the hell do you know how to price like, yourself appropriately during COVID? And it's and, like, yeah. Um, and the response time wasn't very good. Like it was just like, they have room for growth. But that is that is a bit nuanced, right? COVID yeah, caught right. the entire world by surprise, right? Like it's I, like I love yeah. what they've done with the account health team. Um, I had Chris McCabe on yes. a month ago, and it's like the way that like some of the inner workings, like they're getting better, they're proactive. Uh twice. Oh, man, dude, I, I got a phone call. I got a phone call yep. directly from seller performance the other day. I nearly I nearly had a heart attack. I was like, I'm sorry, I can speak to a human being. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, like that uh, is um, I mean, I would have told uh Jeff Bezos years ago, invest in your sellers, fight to keep them up, and you will uh like it's gonna help your marketplace. Yeah, and you'll generate 300 billion dollars in GMB. <laughs> Hey everyone, if your Amazon business is struggling with cash flow and sometimes you just need cash now, well, I'm partnering up with Payability. They are currently funding Amazon businesses with capital advances of up to $250,000 and accelerated daily payouts. There are no credit checks, no complicated paperwork. Simply connect your Amazon account and the other channels you sell on and get an offer within 24 hours. With over $3.5 billion of growth capital deployed, Payability remains the largest and most established e-commerce funding solution. Get an exclusive $250 sign-on bonus when you sign up at go.payability.com slash seller. We'll have a link in the show notes. So in my business, we have had a you know, cash crunches i would say about once a year we're like we're like hey we're forecasting something not so great and we just need a little bit of like our advance because like sometimes two weeks can be a long time to wait when you have people to pay because that's how those relationships <laughs> smooth over great. So thank you to Payability. And if you want to get $250 straight up, just sign up with them and see your options. Thanks. So the restanding business was great, but the limitations of it is that like we, Ryan and myself, we want to build a business that is that stands on its own two feet, essentially. Yep. And if you're reselling other people's shit, never mind being able to sell it. And there's an argument to be made that you know it's difficult to sell a resell business because you're only really selling your relationship. So that's the one problem with it. But like, we really aren't. I, I keep I actually keep having the same conversation. Like, we're not in this business to just exit. We're not like going to aggregate businesses just so we can sell and, and make a lot of money. Like, we're we're we love the game of business and we love operating businesses. Yeah. And so we wanted to build something that was sustainable and long-term and just the more, the, we, as you saw, like with the whole Uber idea of like, you know, we kicked around a whole bunch of potential models that could work in the reselling space. And we just didn't find anything that kind of resonated. And then, and, and then quite candidly, what happened is we met the Thrasio guys a number of years ago um, at one of the conferences and we loved what they were doing. And when we, when we saw their model, we actually then began looking into, uh, buying business and we bought our first business at the end of 2019 basically 
And we needed to fix our capital structure because we'd raise money with debt, as, as you said, and you can't really build a long-term business if you're just, you know, well, you can, but it's just very risky if you're not putting the money directly into assets. So we had to clean up our capital structure and stuff. And we basically pivoted or moved in earnest into aggregating businesses at the end of 2019. And uh, we also launched um, a couple of brands as well. Uh, we had one of the number one sort of just to be broad about it, a beach products on Amazon last year, we launched it. We did $2 million in sales in the first three months um, nice. at wow. very, very healthy profit margins. And uh, we, we will have acquired uh, close to 20 businesses by the end of the quarter. So oh, that's, that's where we are. Very impressive. So um, what I like about what you said is, I mean, uh, Buy boxer is still profitable, and I use that money and that knowledge to uh, call it diversify, or uh, but like build software tools. Yeah, build software tools. I and like I enjoy Amazon. I like operating it, and so I just go where my curiosity takes me. And it, uh-huh. that first successful business that that helped. So that's a that's a fair amount of businesses. You're you're, and I know that if. Uh, someone comes from an operator background, like I just think that they're going to do a lot better. Um, I worry like about the so too. <laughs> worry about the people, like the dumb money coming in the space, you know, where they're like they think they know Amazon, but um, I'm sorry, like there's a few things that you just kind of got to like you got to learn the hard way, like how to manage catalog, how to like uh, work with uh, in lo- in the logistics side of things. There's some unglamorous parts that like, you know, uh, some finance group together isn't going to just like want to do. Uh, well, you know, it's nice, it's nice to hear somebody like you saying that as opposed to us just listening to our own echo chamber. <laughs> Cause you know, when we're talking to, cause like, you know, when we're talking to sellers and stuff, and this is true, it's like, you know, a lot of the deals, if not all of them have an earnout component to the to the sale right it's like here's your money up front and if we perform you get an earnout based on revenue growth right and so the ability for operators and there's amongst the aggregators i think there's only a handful that have been operating on the platform longer than 12 months um it's 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 good for your audience to know like you know when you're speaking to any aggregator potential seller just ask them how much experience they have in actually growing an Amazon business. I think that speaks volumes and and like, who knows how things actually shake out. There is a lot of activity because I mean, at the end of the day, like Amazon is just very valuable. And um, when you get these defensible positions, you know, you launch a, a, a beach product and you get those reviews like that is just an asset. Your story is awesome. Like I, I like that. For I don't think in any part of your story were you thinking small. <laughs> you like you. Well, I, have, I have a very ambitious CEO and business partner. So yeah. Good, good. <laughs> I mean that word scale. I, I I talk about it in the podcast. You know, at least once a month. I'm like, hey, like you know, when you get something working, like if you if you got something you could throw gas on, just like do it. And, Good. and you know what, Dale, like the, uh, this is from, I think the second time I'm going to be quoting him today, Naval Ravikant uh, is famous for saying he's like one of the leading angel investors in the world. He says, you know, it's mu- it literally as much as it's just as much effort and just as hard to run a small business as, as it is to run a big business. In fact, now that we've got, I can brag about my team, we've got some just fucking amazing people. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but, no worries. But like, that's 
they're just phenomenal. And like the awesome thing about having, you know, uh, having, you know, raised sizable amounts of capital now is to just employ people that are a hell of a lot smarter than me and, and are, you know, like expert, like literally experts in their domains that they spend all day long thinking about how to position a brand. They spend all day long thinking about how to optimize PPC or whatever. And like, frankly, building a business this way is arguably easier than, you know, it's like running a restaurant, right? It's like the hardest business in the world. Like I promise you a person who, who's an owner operator of an independent restaurant doesn't work any less hard than, um, honestly, than Jeff Bezos running amazon.com. I promise you they're probably putting in the same amount of hours. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've even dedicated a podcast episode or two talking about, you know, what type of work that I outsource and I'm doing it more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. not about, yeah, like when you're in your control of the business, you want to like keep that, some of that control, but there are people that like, you, they're going to just be able to do something better than you. Um, I, you know, I had a marketer on our team, uh, you know, for Smart Scout, you know, talk about some of the principles of marketing that like, I had no idea, you know, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. don't know. I'm dabbling in marketing all the time. I mean, this podcast is dabbling in marketing, but like, I don't know some of like the underlying like ideas that makes for like an, an engine and, and boy, do am I glad that I have someone like that on my team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a challenge. It's been a challenge for me as we've been skating up the team when you've been, you, you do have that control and you're in the weeds of everything. And then you, and then you kind of have to step away and figure out, okay, well, what do I do with my time now? If I'm not like on the tools all day and, and that it's a, it's, it's a challenging shift in psychology. Uh-huh. So um, with all those shifts, uh, what do you spend most of your time doing right now? So um <laughs> It's actually a great question. So it's, it's, it's actually split in probably two buckets is actually one or essentially like organizational structure and process, right? Uh-huh. So how, 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 from a structural standpoint, how are we building out the team? You know, we've moved to, a, for example, we just moved to a pod structure where, you know, brand managers are assigned their portfolio of brands. And we thought that sort of just work cross-functionally with our departments. And now what we've moved towards, we, we did that for a while and we sort of had like 20 people on a phone call to discuss the businesses, the, the company's performance, which is just unproductive. So we figured out that a pod structure makes more sense where a portfolio of brands is given to, uh, there's there's not only a brand manager running it, but like a marketing lead, a supply chain lead, a creative lead, yep. and they and they meet, meet weekly and set weekly goals, etc. Um, we're we've implemented uh, you know the OKR process, the objectives and key results to run our organization. So that kind of that kind of stuff, and then interviewing and just finding great people, which is yep. like honestly, I feel like the most like I literally feel like the luckiest person in the world that I get to like literally sit on the other table of someone again, who's like much smarter than me and, and like, you know, they're potentially going to well, come and work with us to help with this thing. It's like, yeah. So well, that's where I'm spending my time. I've noticed the, like the more, like the different types of uh, cur- uh, jobs that you're interviewing for, you do have to dabble in that career a little bit to know um, who's, you know, who's smart. Like uh, I'm a software <laughs> developer and uh, but now like I'm interviewing marketers, you know, and mm-hmm. I have to like, I've, you know, I'm studying plenty. So I know when I'm hearing BS or I'm like, I'm like, Oh, this is going to work. And, um, you know what our approach has been? Cause we, cause we don't come from a marketing, uh, Ryan and myself don't come from a marketing and branding background. So we knew that finding, you know, just the best in class CMO was absolutely critical for us. 
And uh, we literally just spent six months talking to every CMO who looked like they had an impressive resume before figuring out exactly what we needed. And our CMO is amazing. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? I actually could recommend. Uh, so this will dive into what, what I care about right now. I was driving um, back from our office. It's about an hour away from actually where I live. I'm going like once a week. There's this podcast called about like they do like they they audit SaaS businesses or software as a service businesses mm-hmm. live, and they choose a random one to do. But they get two CMOS from like two different businesses to like to judge a third business, and like it's so awesome to hear. Yeah. Um, that kind of like expertise, they jump in and they're like, I like what they do here. I don't like what they do here. And like, my idea is just like, it just like exploded. And it was, um, so like, I have like a ton of respect for people that really dedicate to, you know, something like, like marketing and, and. Yeah. You know, I have so much respect for real marketers, like the guy, the, the real deals out there, the, the, the amount of value that they create is just insane. Like, especially in the digital world where you can tie data, where you've got this ability to tie data to creative. It's like they're, they're, they're unique. The, the Good ones are really, really unique and just just amazing yeah. value add. Yeah. I mean, um, Amazon, like the marketing is actually a little bit of everything. And it's actually very multi-skilled, anywhere from yeah. like photography to like PPC to uh, branding and story. Uh, Messaging, like, brand positioning. Oh. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Man, this is probably one of the most natural conversations I've had on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, what I love is like you just jumped in and like you scale things and you operate and that your journey is in similar ways, you know, to, to, to mine. And, um, but I mean, like what's underlying here is actually that Amazon is also a business that scales, you know, FBA just like uh, allows uh, tremendous value to be created and so I guess your future now is, uh, you know, just buying more brands and running them and running them effectively. Yeah, correct. That's it. It's, it's you know, simple, simple, not easy, right? So when, when Thrasio was doing this quietly on their own for the last number of years, I think there was a lot more room for error just because the deal market was less competitive, right? And so now you're, you're paying, you know, fair value for businesses that if, People uh, are coming in and thinking, you know, you're just going to acquire these businesses and kind of just have them tick over. You know, they're saying, if you're not growing, you're dying. It's like, if you don't have a, a real plan to grow these businesses post-acquisition, it is, you're going to get into a lot of trouble. And so we're investing just heavily, heavily in the operating side of our business to operate mm-hmm. these things. So, yeah. And it's, and it's exciting, man. And the sellers that we meet are incredible, man. Like, yeah. seriously, there's sellers out there that... You know, uh, a husband and wife, a husband and wife team have have built. We're about to acquire this business. Obviously, can't disclose it, but like, I mean, they've just built a world class pr- uh, uh, company because it's actually you know they have ten SKUs or whatever in a niche that is highly undisruptible. It's not a Chinese kind of knockoff kind of thing, and like the it, it's so cool building the relationships with the people that we're buying businesses with it's yeah. just uh yeah that's awesome. very fortunate to be in place it's an it's a wonderful industry and it's getting yeah. the attention it deserves right now yeah i think you know this next year you know i i tell people i'm like well there's going to be close to uh you know a thousand transactions in the e-commerce space you know this is not mm-hmm. going away like this this idea of you know things changing hands success you know um people take a business to one level and they're like this is as far as i can get it 
And, you know, they can come to someone like you and they're like, well, we want to take this further. We see, we have a, a yeah. vision for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's super awesome. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're uh, Elevate Brands IO and uh, you can learn more about them at their website. And, but first, I mean, like this podcast was awesome and I hope everyone got a lot of value out of it. I did. And it's great to connect with you, James. Thanks for having me, Scott. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh, stay tuned in next and uh, make sure you subscribe as we got lots of good stuff coming through. All right. Take care. Take care.